standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. The purpose of the remnant. This is the subject that we are going to be examining this morning, and we're going to do so in the Old Testament with a particular story, and that is the story of Naaman, as he was mentioned earlier. But when we think about the word purpose, um, we know that everything in this world has a purpose. In other words, everything has an object to reach or to accomplish. And I just want to share a quick example of something that comes to mind that can serve us as, um, as an example as to where we're headed with this morning's message. And that is an ambulance. I, I think we have all seen an ambulance and we all know what an ambulance is. But what is the purpose of an ambulance? Well, the main primary purpose of an ambulance is to get sick people to the hospital. And I think all of us uh, can agree to that. That is the main purpose. That is why an ambulance is an ambulance. Um, it, it goes to the scene, takes the sick person and brings it to the hospital. It serves a very important uh, role in today's society. But you know what? In order for this uh, ambulance to be able to fulfill its purpose, there's something else that goes on uh, behind the scenes, so to speak. And that is this ambulance receives regular maintenance. I think most of us have a vehicle, and I certainly hope that all of us do our oil changes on time and everything else that our cars require. In fact, Jason was sharing with me this week he had to go through some hoops in order to get his vehicle back on the road and in perfect working order. And maintenance is one of the most important things a car owner can do to the car. Why? Because unless we uh, take care of that vehicle, sooner or later that vehicle might leave us on the side of the road because something goes wrong in that uh, vehicle. And that's most certainly um, we don't want to ever see, especially when it comes to an ambulance. Can you imagine? Uh, getting an engine problem in the middle of uh, a time when you're transporting a sick patient into the hospital. In order for that not to happen, this vehicle receives regular maintenance. And I want us to keep that in mind because it's going to help us understand a little bit more about what it is that is presented in the story of Naaman when it comes to the remnant, God's people in these last days. The more and more I personally study the Bible, the more and more I realize how little I know about the Bible, uh, how minute my knowledge and understanding is in the Word of God. Romans 15.4 tells us that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And the more we go back to the Word of God, the more we open the Word of God, the more we search the depths and the meanings behind the different things that were written for our learning, the more we end up learning. And I am fascinated every time I open the Bible and every time I begin a personal study or a journey to try to understand what it is. What are the spiritual lessons that are found in these particular passages of Scripture? You know, in today's world, many people say that you know what, the Bible does not fit in with the 21st century. Um, the things that were written in the Bible are not really for our understanding today because it has become an old book, an obsolete book. Uh, but I am of a completely different opinion. 
I think that the Bible has been written specifically for our learning in these last days. And unless we uh, continue to study the Word of God, we are bound to not read these beautiful lessons that are found in it. So this morning we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 5 and that's going to be the main portion that we're going to cover. I am going to have the words on the screen so that it's easier for everybody to follow along. But if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open them to 2 Kings chapter 5. And there I'm going to begin with verse 1 where it says, Now Naaman, captain of the hosts of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. We are presenting with a figure here that was a very prominent figure in um, the Syrian nation. A strong man, a master, an honorable person. At the first glance you would say this is a good person. But then the, the verse continues to says, and says, But he was a leper. Regardless of the fact that Naaman was recognized as this great man, Naaman had a problem. In fact, Naaman had a very serious problem. Uh, the most serious of diseases that one could be stricken with back in that time period. Naaman was a leper. Jumping here to verse number 8, the Bible continues. Uh, and tells us the story of Naaman and how he was cleansed. And that is what we are going to examine this morning. What is it that this story, the story of Naaman and his cleansing, has to do with the purpose of the remnant? All these beautiful lessons in the Bible, though they deal with physical and literal uh, things, are actually spiritual lessons that we are to apply to today. And this is one of those uh, example. So we're picking up from verse 8 and going forward where it says in 2 Kings chapter 5 again. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes. And the king of Israel had rent his clothes because the Syrian king, and I purposefully skipped a few of the verses because we're going to come back to them at a later time. The, the king of Israel has rent his clothes because the king of Syria had sent Naaman to him in order to seek for cleansing. But notice how the story continues. Saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with uh, his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, he was angry, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farper, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Why would I have to go into that muddy river in order to be cleansed? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now thankfully, 
because of God's mercy, that's not where the story ends. The story continues, and the story actually has a happy ending. And it says in verse 13, And his servants came near and spake unto him, and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he said to thee, Wash and be clean, then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the men of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. What a beautiful ending to this story. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to examine. We're going to pose a question here. And that is, what spiritual lessons does God want us, you and I, those who want to be the remnant, who want to be part of the remnant, learn from this story? And the focus of um, our study this morning is most specifically the purpose of the remnant. Because you see, in the story of Naaman, there are so many lessons. Uh, we can spend probably two to three hours discussing these several verses in Second uh, Kings chapter 5. But our purpose this morning will be upon uh, that which is revealed as to what the purpose of the remnant is. So let's begin this spiritual journey and let's take each one of these examples um, in the verses that we read and try to understand what it is that they symbolize. And we're going to begin with leprosy. We're going to try to understand what is it that leprosy here is a figure of. Uh, so very often the Bible uses figures to present to a spiritual lesson. So let's understand a little bit more about leprosy. And I think the answer will become very clear to each and every one of us. Leprosy was a disease that was incurable. Uh, when a person got sick, you know, when, when, or when somebody gets sick, even today, there are different protocols, whether that's natural or whatever protocol you follow uh, that you can apply in order to get rid of the sickness. But you know what? That was not the case with leprosy. There was no health protocol that an individual back then could apply in order for them to become cured. It was an impossibility. There was no remedy. There was no herb or ointment uh, that a person could apply. Uh, the only cure that the Bible presents, even back then, as we just have seen from the account of Naaman, was a supernatural intervention of some kind. And that is what the Bible presents to us with the story of Naaman. Naaman was healed not because he took certain herbs or he followed certain man-made protocols, but rather because there was a supernatural intervention. And that is very important for us to keep in mind. That, that is not all when it comes to leprosy. Leprosy was also a loathsome disease. You know, you, you could not miss a leper. Uh, they had bad odor. You know, they were recognized from a distance. They had different pains and aches. Loss of sensation in the body. Not only that, but even their speech was affected. Uh, leprosy attacked the vocal cords and leads to a raspy voice. You could hear the leprosy in the voice 
of a person in the way they spoke because it touched on the vocal cords. Leprosy was an inward disease with not only inward but also outward manifestations. It wasn't just the skin that this disease affected. Many, many people affected with leprosy experience nerve damage, for example. Those boils that we often see in pictures are just a outward manifestation of something that has been present with them. In fact, science today tells us that it takes people from 1 almost to 20 years to see the symptoms of the disease. Can you imagine? 20 year, it is only 20 years later in some cases that um, there are certain manifestations of the fact that we have had that disease. And here is the last point with respect to leprosy. And I think this point will really help us to understand what a leprosy is a symbol of. You know, the Lord gave a whole law when it came to the dealings with this disease. In Leviticus chapter 13, we were given with specific instructions that were given to God's people. And there are a few very important aspects of uh, leprosy that need to be remembered. It is fascinating to remember that it was not physicians who dealt with lepers. Lepers were brought to who? To the priests. It was only the priests that dealt with the lepers. Why? Because there was no natural healing. Now, the other interesting aspect of, uh, about leprosy was that the individual that had the disease upon them was not uh, labeled or deemed as sick or healthy. The disease, uh, the disease caused one to be labeled as clean or unclean. Very important aspect about leprosy. It was dealt with only by the priests, and the priests alone were able to pronounce based on certain criteria that we find in Leviticus 13, which we're not going to go over, that one is either clean, rid of leprosy, or unclean. And I think this last one in particular gives us the answer as to what leprosy is a symbol of. But even when we put everything together, we see and we cannot miss it that leprosy, brothers and sisters, has been used in the Bible as a symbol of sin. This is partially why Jesus on several occasions when he came down on this earth was the one, was the one who healed, whether it be the ten lepers, the one leper. We know of all these examples in the New Testament that were specific about the ministration of Jesus Christ. He was the one priest who could actually heal, not just label as clean or unclean, but also heal the leper of his disease. I want us to come uh, to a book that is one of my favorite books that is written by an author that was inspired by the Lord. And in this chapter, we're going to cover this one paragraph and then later come back on and cover a couple more paragraphs. Uh, but notice what is given to us here that solidifies the thoughts that we have been going over this morning, specifically with respect to what is it that leprosy is a figure of or a symbol of. On 
Page 262, paragraph 1, we're told that of all the diseases known in the East, the leprosy was most dreaded. Its incurable and contagious character and its horrible effect upon its victims filled the bravest with fear. Among the Jews, it was regarded as a judgment on account of sin and hence was called the stroke, the finger of God. Deep-rooted, ineradicable, deadly, it was looked upon as a symbol of sin. Now, as we continue forward, I want us to also keep something very important in mind because a lot of the Christian world has been somewhat confused between the difference of something literal and something figurative. Sin is not a literal disease. Why? Because the, it is, a literal disease is used as a figure, as a symbol of sin. Sin is not a problem, uh, a physical problem. We don't go to the doctor in order to be healed of sin. Sin is a uh, spiritual problem. But the Bible gives us this example of something of this world, of something physical, something natural, in order for us to understand better what sin is and how contagious it is and also how dreaded it should be for each and every one of us. That is the picture that God wants us to form in our minds. So we've examined leprosy. We've understood what leprosy stands for. So let us continue further with our story and try to understand what all the other symbols or all the other figures in, this, in the story of Naaman stand for or symbolize. The next on our list is Elisha. And um, Elisha is not really a, a figure that I have very deeply studied. And uh, I pray that this morning's message will trigger an interest in all of us to actually go back to the Bible and really pay close attention to the life of Elisha. There's a lot in Elisha's life that has been given to us for our learning. And Elisha, in the story of Naaman, is actually a type of Christ. And I'm going to give only seven, seven reasons as to that is the case. But the list goes on and on and on. And this is why um, I was mentioning that it would really serve us well to go back to that portion of the Bible and really get to know Elisha, study Elisha, because it's going to help us understand Jesus um, in a better light. One of the main reasons uh, that Elisha is a type of Christ is because uh, they both healed lepers. The priests were unable to heal the lepers. They were only there to examine them and to label them as clean or unclean. The other reason is that their names actually have similar meaning. Elisha means God is salvation and Jesus means Yahweh will save. They have almost identical names. Their ministries both started the River Jordan. Uh, we know uh, we can think of Jesus' baptism and that's where his work began. And it was also Elisha that takes up the mantle of Elijah at the River Jordan. That is when Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha began his ministry. Both of them feed large numbers with a small quantity of food. Elisha feeds a hundred men uh, with a few barley loaves, and there's food left over. 
And then we know Jesus' two occasions when he feeds the 5,000 and then the 4,000. And again, there is food that is left over. They're both betrayed for love of money. That is so interesting. Elisha is betrayed by his servant Gehazi. And we know how Jesus was betrayed also by Judas. Uh, and Judas seeing the opportunity to make money from, his, from that uh, betrayal. Another interesting characteristic of both of them is that they both give sight to the blind. Elisha first blinds his enemies and then restores their sight. And then we know of the many different occasions when Jesus restored uh, or made the blind see again. And here's the last one, which is also very interesting. Their deaths, both their deaths bring new life. And in the case of Elisha, his tomb was actually a place of resurrection uh, because um, there was a body that was thrown in Elisha's tomb. And on touching Elisha's bones, the dead person came back to life. And then we know that Jesus' tomb was also a place of resurrection. And because He was risen, all those who have faith in Christ will be quickened to eternal life again. And it's beautiful to see how Elisha here in this story, brothers and sisters, does not symbolize the remnant. Elisha is a symbol of Jesus Christ. And I want us to come back here again to uh, that same chapter that I began reading earlier in the Desire of Ages and just go over two more passages for them to give us this beautiful picture that is presented uh, with respect to Christ and His work uh, when He came upon this earth that mimics that which we have seen thus far by, done by Elisha in the story of Naaman. It says on page 266, paragraph 1, The work of Christ in cleansing the leper from his terrible disease is an illustration of his work in cleansing the soul from sin. This is why leprosy has been given to us as a figure of sin. The man who came to Jesus was full of leprosy. Its deadly poison permeated his whole body. The disciples sought to prevent their master from touching him, for he who touched a leper became himself unclean. But in laying his hand upon the leper, Jesus received no defilement. His touching imparted life-giving power. The leprosy was cleansed. I want us to be meditating upon what it is that will rid of sin, not just in my life, brothers and sisters, but in the lives of those around us. This is what the Bible in this passage, in this portion of the scriptures in Second King, is trying to bring us to understand. And then we'll see how important that is in order for us to understand what the main purpose of the remnant really is. She continues, Thus it is with the leprosy of sin, deep-rooted, deadly, and impossible to be cleansed by human power. There's no protocol. 
that we can give to a person. Just as leprosy could not be healed in any, by any human intervention, in like manner, sin will not be healed, will continue to be part of our lives. We are going to continue to come short of the glory of God. We are going to continue to transgress His law unless we come and understand who is the great physician, who is the only priest that is able to read our lives of sin, of this deep-rooted, deadly, and impossible-to-be-cleansed disease. The thought finishes with a verse from Matthew chapter 8, and it says, Whoever will fall at his feet, saying in faith, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst, make me clean, shall hear the answer, I will be thou made clean. And that is the answer, brothers and sisters, that I want to hear for myself. That is the answer that I want each and every one of us to hear. Because you know what? The Bible is very clear. Each and every one of us has been affected by leprosy. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that we have all sinned. We have all come short of the glory of God. At one point or another in our lives, we have chosen to disobey God, to violate His holy law. It applies to each and every one of us. It is repeated in Isaiah 53 verse 6 where it says that all we like sheep, and that includes all of you, that includes me, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of a soul. If we say that we have no sin, 1 John 1, 8, what, is, what does the Bible say? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And that is so important for us as wanting to be part of the remnant to understand when we go and try to help others. The purpose behind what we are to do in these last days is beginning to be formed. And that purpose revolves all around Jesus Christ and His supernatural power to get rid of this, the leprosy of sin from each and every one of us. That is what the Lord wants to bring every person to understand. We're all to come to repentance. We're all to bring others to repentance and help them understand what the solution for their problem is. The question we need to ask ourselves is, have we gone to the Jordan? Because that's where it all begins. It all begins at the Jordan. Have we gone to the Jordan? It is a time for self-examination. Have we dipped ourselves seven times? You see, once is not good enough. Would Naaman have been healed if he had gone to the Jordan and only dipped himself once? No. What the Bible is trying to present to us is the fact that we need to go through this process of sanctification. The number seven symbolizes completion. 
And you know, the Bible also teaches us that sanctification is the work of a lifetime. Now, that does not mean that we are going to continue on in sin. No, the Lord comes to us. He reveals that which is wrong. And then He gives us power to overcome. But as we get closer to Christ, as we behold Jesus, we see more and more that needs to be taken care of. That is why Naaman had to dip into the waters seven times. And that brings us to the Jordan. What is the Jordan? What is the Jordan a symbol of? I think the Bible has very clearly given us an answer. And we're going to turn to John chapter 7 and learn a little bit more as to why the Jordan and all the rivers of Damascus, as Naaman thought, is the only river, it's, it is the only water that will cleanse us from sin. In John chapter 7, verse, verses 37 to 39, the Bible says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Brothers and sisters, unless we as individuals have gone to the Jordan, unless we as individuals have uh, allowed the Holy Spirit to work upon our hearts, unless we as individuals become a source of this, these rivers, of living waters, then what part are we to play in the works of the remnant in these last days? The same river is presented again in Revelation 22, verse 1. The same symbology is used there, where the Bible says that, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God, and of the land. Are you thirsty this morning? I certainly am. I want to make sure that each and every one of us understand the importance of the Jordan. The Jordan is the only river that can be of assistance to us when it comes to leprosy. Naaman would have been unsuccessful to heal himself if he had gone to the rivers of Damascus. And only it is the Holy Spirit and the workings of the Holy Spirit upon the soul of man that one will be completely cleansed from every bad trait of character, everything that is not in accordance with the character of Jesus Christ. We've learned a lot thus far, but let's, let's continue on. And let us come to Naaman. Because brothers and sisters, Naaman symbolizes something very important. You see, the Bible says that we have all sinned at one point or another. 
We have all been guilty of transgressing God's law. And thus, in a spiritual way, all of us have at one point or another in our life been cut off from the camp of Israel because that was the consequences for every single lepers. Lepers were not allowed to be part of the camp. Lepers were kept outside of the camp. Brothers and sisters, Naaman represents God's people who at the very last in the very last days of this earth's history, when the very last test comes upon everybody that is on this earth, will be the only people who have completed the dipping into the Jordan River. But you know what? This is just something that will be accomplished as a necessity in order for these last events to take place. You see, God will have a people. God will have a byproduct of the workings of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of men. But that fulfillment, what we see Naaman representing here, which is symbolical of the 144,000, is actually the byproduct of a life with Christ. It isn't the purpose of the remnant, even though so many times, time and time again, we discuss this subject and we talk about this subject and it's important for us to understand that it is important for us to understand what Naaman symbolizes it is important to understand that everybody who is going to be part of god's remnant is going to be in a sense a Naaman will complete the cleansing work in the heavenly sanctuary the cleansing work in the sanctuary of the body temple will be complete with each and every one of us. But that is not the purpose of the remnant. That is just the final byproduct. So what is the purpose of the remnant? Because that is what we need to deal with. Just as an ambulance receives maintenance in order for it to serve others, in like manner, brothers and sisters, the remnant have a very particular purpose and it is very well illustrated in the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5. So what about the remnant? The remnant? What does the Bible tell us of the remnant? Well, we see in Revelation 12, 17, that is where they are uh, very well depicted. And that is where we find um, a little bit of information about them and who they are. And the Bible tells us that the enemy... The dragon, Satan, was wrath with the woman. Now, what is a woman in Bible pro prophecy? A woman symbolizes a church. Satan is upset. He's in wrath with the woman. And then he goes on to make something. He goes on to make war with the remnant of her seed. This is where the remnant are presented. And then we are given, um, in the last portion of the verse, as uh, a description as to who those remnant are. And it says that they are those which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. That's who the remnant is. Now, what is the, what is the meaning of the word remnant? We have a woman here, and this woman has a remnant. Well, what do men and women leave behind as a successor? I have been blessed enough to leave behind a successor 
because my wife and I have received the blessing of having uh, a little daughter, a child. This is what the leftover, the remnant is of the woman. It's her children. Now, as I mentioned in Bible prophecy, it is the woman that symbolizes spiritual cleanliness. So the remnant, in a spiritual sense, have to be women. What are these women that the Bible talks about in these last days that we ought to be? When our minds immediately go to uh, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. God's remnants are going to be not foolish, but wise virgins. So the question is, do we have a young woman in the story of Naaman who could give us an example as to what the purpose of the remnant really is? And the answer is yes, we do. And we're now going to examine the hero in this entire story. Because it is important for us in these last days to understand our purpose. What is it that Jesus expects of us? What is it that Jesus expects of His last day movement? And for that, we're going to turn to 2 Kings again. And we're going to read a few of the verses that we skipped in the beginning. Starting at verse 2 all the way to verse 5. And there the Bible says, And the Syrians, now that... We remember in verse 1, Naaman was presented to us with this deadly disease of leprosy. And now here is how, in a nutshell, here's the reason as to why Naaman was healed. The Bible says, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, a little Israelite, a little woman, young woman. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to Go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. The purpose of God's last day movement is presented to us in these very three verses. Because it is this little maid that is a representation, a figure, a symbol of what God's church and what God's remnant are to be and what their true purpose in life is. The purpose of the remnant is to bring those that have been stricken with this deadly leprosy to the only source of healing. This is why Jesus Christ is called the great physician. It is only His power that could heal each and every one of us. And our purpose in these last days is to be what? Little maids. Jesus said, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Each and every one of us is to be a little maid. We're to be servants for others if we want to be true Christians because that is the spirit 
the true spirit of Jesus Christ. We are to serve others. We are to bring others to the only source of healing. The Lord is trying to have this same missionary spirit that was seen in the, in the early church in these last days. The Lord is trying to rebuild His true purpose in His church in these last days. And only when we understand these things and only when we ourselves come to the Jordan and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us, only then can we be of assistance to others. You know, people say, you cannot truly understand another person or sympathize with another person unless you have gone with, through the same experience that he has gone through. And in like manner, if we take that in reverse, how are we to teach others about the saving power of Jesus Christ unless we ourselves have gone and dipped into the Jordan not once, not twice, not three times. You know, even six times wouldn't be good enough. The Lord will have His people dip all the way through, seven times. And then when that takes place, the final events upon this earth's history are going to come and take place. But until then, we have a purpose. We have the purpose of bringing people to the throne of grace and introducing them to Jesus Christ so they can become, begin a walk with Him and truly and emphatically have an experiential knowledge with Him, not just knowledge of theory, of understanding, but actually get to know Jesus, who He is, and the power that is in our reach. It is only through the Holy Spirit that each and every one of us will be able to be truly involved in the purpose of the remnant. And I pray that each and every one of us have the desire to surrender our lives to Christ and to allow Him to work in us to His will and good pleasure so that the work can be finished and we can finally all go home. And at this time, I would like to invite you to pray with me so we can ask the Lord for help. And we can ask the Lord to transform us and help us to spend a time of self-examination and see, am I truly ready to be a little maid? Am I truly ready to do service for others? Am I truly ready to be part of the remnant and fulfill the purpose that the Lord has given to His people? So where possible, I invite you to kneel with me for the word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we are so thankful of all these lessons that you have given us. Father, we understand that your only desire is for us to take hold of all these lessons that are in the Bible and apply them and understand them, that there's a deeper meaning behind everything that you have revealed to us. Lord, you're not only in the business of saving our physical bodies. But most importantly, you're in the business of saving souls from our spiritual problems that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. Father, there's a great controversy 
in this world, both you and your angels, and the enemy and his angels are working hard. We face temptations every day. Perhaps there are things in our own hearts that still need to be uprooted, bad traits of character. Lord, I pray and ask that you help each and every one of us to become a name and truly to continue this work of sanctification, to surrender to you, to partake of the only living water that is available to us because it is only this living water that will make us whole again, spiritually speaking. And Father, I pray and ask that you give us a desire, you bring back to us that missionary spirit that was part of the early church and help us to do everything possible to understand and to fulfill the work of a true servant, a true maid, and bring others to the throne of grace, the Jesus Christ. So others who have not experienced what we have experienced can partake of that same living water and be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, continue to guide your work on local level and global level. I pray that you bring your people together, those who truly want to be part of the remnant and those who truly want to stand on the platform of truth so that we can allow you to work in us to your will and good pleasure and accomplish that for which your church has been established. And I pray that you be with each and every one of us as we part and may our thoughts be upon you as we continue to keep these holy Sabbath hours. We ask all of this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory now and forevermore. Amen. Standing on the Platform of Truth Pioneer Health and Missions <laughs>